Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Welcome to the Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. I am Danielle Tate, a maternal fetal medicine specialist and the maternal medical director of TIPQC. Today's discussion will focus on the just-released state data on vaccinations as it relates to pregnancy. We are excited to have with us today Dr. Angela Miller, the Deputy Director of Child Health and Injury Prevention at the Tennessee Department of Health. And joining Dr. Miller is also Dr. Hannah Dudney. Dr. Dudney is an OBGYN who is a women's health physician consultant with the Tennessee Department of Health. We are so honored to have you both here today to join us. Welcome. Thank you. Well, great. We're just going to jump right into the conversation because this is exciting news. You know, we are now recording this in the winter time. I believe Tennessee's finally in the winter. And so vaccinations are definitely a big topic, but year round in pregnancy, as well as for the children. This conversation comes up. So I'm so glad you guys are here to join us today to discuss what we're seeing here in the state of Tennessee. Dr. Miller, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Can you share your career journey and what sparked your interest in this field of medicine, specifically vaccinations? Okay, sure. So I'm actually an epidemiologist, not a medical doctor. Um, I considered medicine at one point, but decided that that was not quite the correct career path for me. And so epidemiology and public health has been my focus specifically in um, maternal and child health epidemiology and vaccines is just one component of that. Well, great. We love to hear from our partners in this journey of research and quality improvement. And I know epidemiology is right in that realm. Dr. Dutney as well, would you share with us your journey and what you got into this field of specifically vaccinations in medicine. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. I am an OBGYN and I have a strong interest in vaccines ever since the early part of my career. So prior to going to medical school, I worked in vaccine clinical research at Vanderbilt University. And one of the first trials that I worked on was actually the H1N1 flu vaccine trials in adults, children, and pregnant individuals. So in addition to flu, I've worked on vaccine clinical studies for HPV, for cytomegalovirus, for rotavirus, and for smallpox. So the intersection between vaccines and women's health especially piqued my interest through medical school and residency. And I enjoy sharing my knowledge as an OBGYN, as well as my experience in vaccine research to help my patients make informed decisions and know about vaccines. That's great. Well, I am excited to have such experts with us today. Now, I heard you mention in the list of your background as far as different vaccinations, the flu vaccine. And this is one I'll say as an OBGYN as well, it is definitely a hot topic of discussion every year. 
as to whether patients are contemplating getting the flu vaccine or it's a mandate at their workplace or we as healthcare providers being around pregnant women, considering giving the flu vaccination, not only just talking about it. Um, what are the current recommendations for pregnant women as it relates to the flu vaccine? Absolutely. So routine annual flu vaccination is recommended for all persons that are pregnant and those who might become pregnant during the flu season. So flu vaccine can be given during any trimester of pregnancy. And the only flu vaccine that you would want to avoid during pregnancy is the intranasal flu vaccine. And you can you speak just a little bit more to why the intranasal one may not be the best option or even the one to avoid? Absolutely. So it is made from a live virus. And so we want to avoid all live virus vaccinations in pregnancy. While you're not likely to get the flu from the intranasal vaccine, just the way that it is, is created is one that we want to avoid in pregnancy. So feel free to go ahead and get the injectable version of the flu vaccination during pregnancy. It's good to know uh, that as well as knowing that it's safe in all trimesters, which oftentimes comes up in discussion as well. Can you speak to what specific benefits and maybe even concerns there are related to the flu vaccine? So getting the flu vaccine is one of the most important steps that a person can take to really protect themselves against the flu, but also its potential serious complications during pregnancy. So influenza is more likely to cause an illness that may result in a hospitalization in a pregnant individual as compared to those that are not pregnant. Also, the flu can be harmful for a developing baby as fever has been associated in some studies to cause or increase the risk for neural tube defects and other adverse outcomes. So it's really a great step to protect yourself as well as your baby by getting the flu vaccine. So getting a flu vaccine can provide protection from the flu itself, but also related to hospitalization. And and actually, a recent study showed that it reduced the risk of hospitalization in pregnant individuals by about 40%. So there's a great benefit there. Also for baby, babies born to mothers who were vaccinated can be protected against the flu for several months after birth. And this vaccination in pregnancy can allow the mom to pass antibodies onto their baby during the pregnancy, but also through breastfeeding. So there's a long safety record with the flu vaccine during pregnancy, and there's substantial evidence that show that flu vaccines are safe for both mom and for baby during pregnancy. Yeah, great news. And just to hear that a mom is able to start protecting her baby in the womb and not really have to be as concerned about who may be in and out of the baby's life those first few weeks or months. That's an amazing way to provide protection and feel like you have some control over that safety of your baby. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Miller, can you share a little bit more with us about how we fare compared to other states when we discuss the flu vaccination? and what we see with rates. Sure. So flu vaccination during pregnancy in Tennessee is very similar to what we see around the country as a whole. For national data in 2020, 61% of women received a flu vaccine in the 12 months leading up to delivery. And in Tennessee, it was 55%. So while Tennessee were on par with the rest of the country, we would love to see more pregnant women in Tennessee getting their flu vaccines. Absolutely. Well, that's great to hear that we are at least making the same needle moves as the rest of the country. Um, I know there's always room for improvement in these areas. 
Have you specifically noted or we've seen in the data any differences regarding the racial concerns when receiving the vaccination? Yes, we do see racial disparities at both the national and the state level. Over the last several flu seasons, national flu vaccine coverage for pregnant women has been right around 50%. However, this has been as high as 56% for Hispanic women, while African-American women tended to hover around 45%. In Tennessee, we have data that shows that flu vaccine uptake during pregnancy has improved over the last 10 years, but the patterns in our state are similar to the national data with Black or African-American women having the lowest rates of flu vaccine uptake. Over the last several years, 60% of white and Hispanic women in Tennessee reported receiving flu vaccine in the 12 months before delivery, compared to only 39% of Black women. Those are interesting statistics. And I can imagine this may have something to do with vaccination hesitation, where we see as healthcare providers, there are certain groups of people who just collectively may not trust as much the system of vaccination. As it relates to the flu vaccine, is there vaccination hesitation that you're seeing? And how has the Department of Health addressed any hesitation that's been seen? Yes. So we have information from our immunization program that they've received feedback from healthcare providers in the community, as well as at the local health departments. And they say that vaccine hesitancy does remain a prominent factor contributing to low vaccine coverage in Tennessee. The World Health Organization recognizes vaccine hesitancy as one of the top 10 global public health threats. Um, The Department of Health has ongoing efforts that are focused on addressing these misconceptions and dispelling myths related to flu vaccines with increased outreach and educational initiatives. TDH has also developed some comprehensive educational materials and resources. And then in, on November 1st, the Department of Health recently had a Fight Flu TN campaign, making flu vaccines readily available for free to all Tennessee residents. That's great news. Are there any specific resource outlets that patients and even providers should know in relationship to the resources that you're discussing where we could go to fight this hesitancy that we're seeing? I think they should refer back to the Tennessee Department of Health's website, as well as the CDC. Okay, great. It sounds like as well, the local health departments would be a resource to find out that information. Definitely. Well, we'll shift a little in our discussion to the COVID-19 vaccine. I think that's been part of our everyday talk here for the last few years, but I'm glad to see that we've evolved with this virus to a point where we are protecting, not necessarily only treating when we see it. Going back to you, Dr. Dudney, and your expertise, can you share with us what the recommendation is for pregnant women as it relates to the COVID-19 vaccination? So all people six months of age and older should be getting an updated COVID vaccine. This includes those people that are pregnant or those that were recently pregnant and maybe did not get one during their pregnancy those that are breastfeeding, as well as those that are trying to become pregnant. And it's great to know that we have evolved to more firm recommendations, which we weren't seeing, you know, three years ago or so when we were discussing the pandemic and ways to prevent people from becoming sick or if they're sick, not being as sick. Now, COVID-19, again, it feels new as far as what we've seen with the pandemic, but I'm sure with the information out there now, there 
is information about the benefits and maybe even concerns about receiving the vaccination. Can you share any of that information with us? Yes. So the benefits of COVID vaccination, it really reduces the risk of severe illness and may help prevent the risk of stillbirth and preterm delivery. So COVID vaccine helps to protect the mother and the baby through making antibodies that can be passed from the mother to the baby and help the protect, protect the baby from hospitalization due to COVID for their first six months of life. That COVID vaccination can occur at any point during pregnancy. So if you want to get it during your first trimester, second, or even in the third trimester, go ahead and get your COVID vaccination. It can even occur at the same time as other vaccines in pregnancy, like the flu shot, Tdap vaccination, or even RSV. So when the vaccine was first released, many patients expressed their concerns to me about the, about the vaccine. And since that time, evidence has shown that the COVID vaccine is safe during pregnancy and it's effective. That's great. And I'm so glad you highlighted the fact that it can be taken with other vaccinations because we've already talked about the flu vaccine and that may come up in discussion around the same time as the COVID vaccine. But it sounds like there's no concern about those interacting or any other of the recommended vaccinations interacting with each other. Okay. Well, Dr. Miller, we're talking about COVID-19. I'm sure the state has great data on that topic across the board, but specifically as it relates to the COVID-19 vaccination, how are we doing as a state compared to other states in the country? Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Overall, in our total population, our COVID vaccination rates are lower in Tennessee than other states. And pregnant women, again, are are less likely to get some of those vaccines, including COVID. We were able to add some data to a survey that we send out to new moms a couple of years ago in 2021. And only about 26% of women who had recently had a baby reported receiving that COVID vaccine during pregnancy. That was compared to about 75% in our general population of women who are in that childbearing age of 18 to 49 years old. Wow, I did not expect to hear those rates or percentages, but I can imagine that may have something to do with, again, the quote-unquote newness of this vaccine compared to other ones like the flu vaccine that have been around for years. So I'd imagine that we may see those numbers start to rise in a good way over the years to come. When we talk about the vaccine as well, could you just touch up for a moment on the racial concerns that you may see any differences among the races in the state as it relates to COVID-19 vaccination? Yes, similar to the flu, we see the same patterns. 30% of non-Hispanic white women received the COVID vaccine during pregnancy, and 13% of non-Hispanic black women received the vaccine during pregnancy. And, you know, Danielle, according, based on your last point, half of women in that survey, they did tell us that the vaccine, they were concerned about the newness of the vaccine, and they were concerned about side effects for themselves and their babies. This points, though, to the need for providers to have good, thoughtful conversations with their parents, with their patients around the pros and cons of this and any vaccine. Absolutely. Dr. Dudney, you know, we we talked for a minute about vaccination hesitation as it relates to the flu vaccine. In your experience, have you noticed any uh, vaccination, excuse me, vaccination hesitation as it relates to the COVID-19 vaccine and what maybe that the Department of Health is doing to combat that hesitation? 
Even though the pandemic has officially ended, we are still observing some instances where some Tennesseans are hesitant or expressing concerns regarding the COVID vaccine. The Vaccine Preventable Diseases and Immunization Program has been diligently engaging in addressing the vaccine hesitancy within our communities. So they have worked with communities, especially in rural areas, to facilitate vaccine access and distribution of educational materials. Additionally, they have developed an online vaccine provider toolkit, which contains regularly updated pertinent resources for healthcare professionals to utilize in their efforts to promote vaccines. This toolkit undergoes quarterly updates, and it's really based upon provider feedback, and it offers training as well as downloadable printed materials and additional topic-specific toolkits for them to use with their patients. So earlier this year, the Vaccine Preventable Diseases and Immunization Program embarked on the Immunization Roadshow, and they traveled across the state to host half-day events, addressing techniques for engaging with vaccine-hesitant families. And this was done through motivational interviews. These events were open to all healthcare professionals, and they were really centered around discussions on improving vaccine coverage rates in their respective communities. Another approach to tackle vaccine hesitancy within the community, they partnered with grantees that they had previously established connections with during their outreach to the community. One of these was with the NFL Alumni Association and the Cumberland Pediatric Foundation. The NFL Alumni Association organized a listening session, and it really functioned as a platform to address vaccine questions and concerns about the COVID vaccine. And then with the Cumberland Pediatric Foundation, they have been developing a training portal And this portal will feature interactive online modules, as well as some resources with the latest information about respiratory illnesses, and they'll have some downloadable and printed materials for providers to use. I love that there was no stone unturned in getting the information to to the population. I mean, the approaches, right? I heard downloadable, I heard printable information, I heard a roadshow, I heard connecting with other trusted resources. That's an amazing effort that the Department of Health made. So hats off, because I know Tennessee is a very long, big state, and that was not an easy feat. And I'm sure you're seeing, as of even today, the benefits of taking those different approaches to reach the population. Can you speak to as well, Dr. Dudney, what the Tennessee Department of Health is doing to promote the COVID-19 vaccine uptake in pregnancy? I know we discussed hesitation and the efforts, but really the uptake of the vaccination as it relates to pregnancy. So COVID-19 made things a little bit more challenging for moms-to-be that really wanted to keep themselves and their developing babies safe. And COVID-19 is still spreading, and getting up-to-date with COVID vaccines is really the best way to be protected and to remain protected during your pregnancy. We know that getting vaccinated before, during, or after pregnancy is safe for you and for your baby. And vaccinated mothers are able to pass the antibodies that they create from the vaccine to their babies to protect them during the first few months of their life. And during this time, they're too young to be able to get a vaccine themselves. So at TDH, we are really dedicated to enhancing the vaccination efforts among the perinatal populations. To encourage pregnant individuals to receive the COVID-19 vaccine, we've been actively utilizing social media campaigns to promote vaccines and to boost confidence and participation in vaccination. With the introduction of the new RSV vaccine, TDH has been exploring the inclusion of birthing hospitals in the Vaccines for Children program. And we've been aiming to survey these providers to determine how we can best support them by not all 
not only offering the COVID and RSV vaccines, but also providing access to other vaccines that they may need during pregnancy. That's great. And I just want to reiterate again that the vaccination in pregnancy protects our little newest babies in the world who may not be able to protect themselves. And you said my other buzz phrase, which is social media. I think that's a great outlet to get the word out because it is attention grabbing for everyone. So that is great news. Well, are there any other vaccinations or any other vaccinated related topics that we should be aware of here in the state that may be on the horizon, especially for our pregnant patients? So I think I hinted at it earlier, but there are four main vaccines that are recommended during pregnancy. So flu and COVID, which we've already discussed, but there are two others, Tdap and RSV. So Tdap is a vaccination that provides protection from pertussis as well as others. And pertussis, pertussis rates are really on the rise. In the first few months of life, when infants are at the greatest risk for pertussis, they can't actually be vaccinated themselves. So they can't start their immunization series for pertussis until they're two months old. So it's really best for mom to get vaccinated during pregnancy to provide that protection early on. And this vaccination can occur between 27 and 36 weeks during the pregnancy. And then one of the newest and most exciting vaccines right now is the RSV vaccine. So RSV is respiratory syncytial virus, and it's a common respiratory virus that usually causes a mild cold-like illness, and most people recover within a week or two. But for some people, RSV can be a much more serious illness, especially for infants and older adults. So RSV vaccination is recommended in pregnancy to protect babies from severe RSV disease after birth. And pregnant individuals should get a single dose of this RSV vaccine between 32 and 36 weeks of their pregnancy during the RSV season. And this part of the year, the RSV season is September through January. And maternal RSV vaccination is effective in decreasing the risk of severe RSV disease. It reduces the risk of baby being hospitalized for RSV by 68% within the first three months after birth. If someone does not get RSV vaccine during pregnancy, then their baby is recommended to get an injection of RSV monoclonal antibodies during that RSV season. So since there are options and mom can either get the vaccine during their pregnancy or the baby can get the immunization after birth, families really do have a choice in making what is best for their family. And I recommend that all pregnant individuals have a conversation with their OBGYN or their midwife to talk through these two safe and effective options for, for protecting against severe RSV infection. 68%. Wow. Just from one vaccination. That is amazing. And I'm so glad you're bringing it up today because it is probably time for us to get prepared for the conversations that are to come around the vaccination. So thank you for sharing that information. And again, emphasizing that this is safe for our pregnant moms and that they can protect their babies from the womb to birth and beyond. Uh, well, Dr. Miller, we've discussed a lot about vaccinations and we've touched on those really common ones that are important to know in pregnancy. What is one thing that providers can do to get their patients to receive the recommended vaccinations we've discussed? I'm going to echo Dr. Dudney's last statement and providers should really have deep conversations with their patients about vaccines. The data we have tells us three things. First, that about 20% of women did not have any discussions with their provider about getting the flu vaccine during pregnancy. 
Second, 65% of pregnant women named their provider as their most trusted source for vaccine information. And then third, women want to have discussions with their providers about the pros and cons of vaccines during pregnancy. With the COVID vaccine, for example, women whose providers recommended the vaccine were much more likely to get the vaccine when compared to those who didn't get that recommendation. However, we didn't see any differences in uptake of the COVID-19 vaccine based on whether or not the provider only offered it. So vaccine conversations should really go beyond a simple conversation of do you want this vaccine to something more along the lines of here are the pros, the cons, and here's what I would do. That's great to know. I think as a provider myself, I'll have to admit, I didn't realize we were so trusted as a source to have this discussion. And I think in a world today where information just comes from so many different avenues, it's great to know we can still have that impact and be that voice when it comes to discussing vaccination as it relates to pregnancy. So you're definitely giving me ideas on how to work this into my everyday conversation with my patients. Well, Dr. Dudney, is there any advice that you would give to pregnant moms that are considering the vaccinations that we've discussed today or anything else that's recommended during pregnancy? Well, Dr. Tate, I would say that what you just commented on about how important it is, that strong recommendation from their trusted clinician to decide whether to get vaccination. It's something that when Dr. Miller and I were first discussing this PRAMS data or the data that comes from surveying moms that have recently delivered, to find out that there's such a strong correlation between their clinician giving a strong recommendation and then someone choosing to get that vaccine. I think it's it's very empowering to know that with all of the information coming from so many different sources that patients really do do lean on on their clinician for that information. So, and I I they feel that families really do need to be having these important conversations. And in talking with families myself, I found that many people do have questions about vaccinations. They often want to know which vaccines I recommend in pregnancy, when they should get them, and how well they've been studied. They want to know what the benefits are and they want to know what any potential concerns are. I really enjoy these conversations with patients because I find that it really helps them to feel more informed and to really prepare to make these decisions. I recommend that all pregnant individuals have a conversation with their OBGYN or their midwife and that they find out what vaccines are recommended for them and for their baby. And I always let them have an opportunity to express their thoughts and their concerns And this will start some very important conversations to answer potential questions and make a plan that fits their family. Absolutely. I love that having the conversation and pausing and allowing patients to feel comfortable, families to feel comfortable expressing what they may be thinking or how they're feeling. Because I can imagine that helps with that hesitation where it kind of comes back into the conversation. If they're educated, they feel empowered and they can make the decisions that are best for them. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you both for joining us today. But before we go, I would love to hear any last pearls of wisdom or any last resource or information you'd love to share with the audience today regarding vaccinations and pregnancy in the state of Tennessee. So there's some great resources that uh, providers as well as individuals can turn to you for information. So in the show notes today, you'll be able to find some information about vaccine toolkits and things here in Tennessee from the Tennessee Department of Health's Vaccine Preventable Diseases and Immunizations Program. Um, We'll also provide a link and some information about vaccination and pregnancy that's provided by the CDC. 
So there's some great trusted sources of information and advise people to, to turn to these sources, but really and truly have an individualized conversation with your clinician. Talk to your OBGYN, talk to your midwife, talk to those that you trust and those that you have a developed relationship with and see what's best for you and your family. Thank you, Dr. Dudney. Dr. Miller? Yeah. One additional thing that we can add to the show notes is a recently published paper um, using Tennessee data, and it shows that relationship between the provider's recommendation and uptake of flu vaccine that was recently published in September. Great to know. Again, thank you, Dr. Miller. Thank you, Dr. Dudney, for your time, for your expertise, for everything you've done for the state, especially in the realm of vaccinations and the work that you're doing that we know is going to help to keep our pregnant mothers and their babies safe going forward here in the future. I thank everyone for joining us today. As mentioned, the information from the Department of Health as well as CDC will be in the show notes with other valuable resources. Please join us again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, presented by TipQC. TipQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you would like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org, that's T-I-P-Q-C.org, and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.